All right, well, if you will turn in a copy of God's Word to uh, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, if you're using the Pew Bible, you'll find that on page 1147. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, uh, or if you don't have a copy that we use for preaching and teaching, which is the English Standard Version, we would love to give one to you. We love giving Bibles away. I love ordering whole boxes of them. And you'll find them uh, on the table right outside the back double doors. And please take one uh, with our compliments. Uh, So if you'll stand as you're able for the reading of God's Word, we're looking at John chapter 15, uh, starting at verse 1. Hear now the Word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your Son that He might teach, that He might give us the words of life. Thank you for sending forth your Holy Spirit to inspire the writing by holy men of your inerrant and authoritative word. We ask, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would help us to understand this text and that you would grow us. We ask these sayings in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Well, we have completed and concluded our study of Colossians, uh, which I'm kind of sad about. had a lot of fun there. Uh, And we're going to be going to the Advent series once December starts. And then uh, past December, we're most likely heading to the first 11 chapters of Genesis, uh, which is really foundational to understand the entire uh, Bible. Between now and uh, Advent, we're going to be considering a few different texts. So we'll be te- having some topical sermons, and then uh, John 15 will be here at least two weeks, uh, maybe three. I've chosen this passage because I've really spent about the last year in John 15, 1 through 11. Uh, John 15 became very dear to my heart uh, when we were fostering in the provisional foster system. Uh, and John 15, I came across, I, I knew it was there. I mean, I'd, I'd say it before, but I came across it again in my reading, and I just stopped. And I kept going back day after day after day to John 15, 1 through 11. It's a tough text. It is a hard text to understand. 
And every time I looked at it, there was just there was more there. And the reason I kept coming back to it were these two main points. The one is that we can do nothing apart from Jesus. And you know what nothing means? I looked it up in the Greek, pulled it up in the dictionary. You know what it means? Nothing. Right? The other thing is that God prunes those whom He loves. And it hurts. So that we might produce more fruit. Daily, as we were involved with caring for our sweet foster children, whom you know and I can't mention by name anymore, uh, I was daily confronted with my inability to do anything. And I kept coming back to this text again and again and again, seeking to abide in Christ and trying to figure out what does that mean? What does abide mean? That's That's a tough word. We're going to talk about that in a second. Let's talk about the the context here. Uh, It's not been a good night. This is the upper room discourse. So this is the night of Jesus' betrayal. Within 18 hours, uh, Jesus will be in a a tomb. So that's the context of what's going on here. Uh, You'll you'll remember that the, the evening did not begin well for the disciples as they were bickering about who was the greatest. As Jesus got up from the table and started washing their feet, something that uh, only slaves were supposed to do. And then Peter said, no, no, I'm not having any of that. And Jesus had to rebuke him. And then Judas has left to go and betray Jesus. And Jesus said, I'll never, I'll never betray. I'll never leave you. And Jesus says, <laughs> I appreciate that, Peter, but you're wrong. right? Three times, not once, not twice. Three times before the rooster crows. Thomas had spoken up and said he didn't know where Jesus was going in John 14. Uh, Thomas, excuse me, then, uh, then Philip would show that he didn't have a clue what was going on either. He said, show us the Father. And Jesus says, don't you understand? I've been showing you the Father. You see me, you see the Father. This has not been a real good night for them. But, but he has told them, he has told them that he's going to send forth the Holy Spirit. Something's going to change and something did change. Because soon, though Jesus was betrayed, crucified, killed, and buried, He rose from the dead. Forty days later, He he returned to heaven. Ten days after that, these eleven men, these eleven men, along with Matthias, would be transformed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, and the gospel would be taken to the nations. That by the time we get to Colossians, which is AD 61 to 63, in many ways you could say that the Great Commission had been partially fulfilled as the, as the Word of God had gone out to all the nations. Something amazing happens in that period as the Word of God goes forth. Jesus tells them in this passage as they are getting ready to take the mantle of the leadership of the church Two things, one from the previous chapter is that that the Holy Spirit is going to empower you, and two, the secret to being fruitful in personal holiness and in life and in ministry and in every other area of our life is seeking Jesus, staying close to Him, or as Jesus puts it here, abiding in Him. This was not a task that they were going to be equal to. These 11 men who would all but one, all but John, would flee at the cross and hide behind a locked door, these men, these men were going to be the apostles who would take the gospel to the nations. And and all but John would be martyred 
These men, they're not equal to that task. And guess what? We're not equal to any task that God has called us to, not a one. God has called you, depending on who you are in your season of life, to be a, a godly husband or a wife. Can you do that apart from Jesus? I <laughs> know I can't. A mother, a father, an employee, an employer, officer in the church, Sunday school teacher, coach, friend, confidant, prayer warrior, gospel-sharing college student, preschooler, retiree, or a combination of all those. Anything on that list, can you do it by yourself? The answer is no. On top of that, God has called us in each one of these contexts to walk in personal holiness with Him and to love other people. Really? Jesus, haven't you met other people? And my enemies too? That I would count others more significant than myself? Is that something I can do on my own? The answer is no. And in the midst of all this, Jesus calls us not just to bear some fruit, but to bear much fruit. To be fruitful, to be Christ-like in every area of our lives and to manifest in our lives the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control last night. I was uh, in a chat discussion with uh, Amazon uh, support. Uh, Some things hadn't arrived at our house that we're supposed to. And I got thinking about my attitude at that moment in the fruit of the Spirit, and none of them applied to how I felt towards Amazon. Praise God for the restraining power of the Holy Spirit and my fingers on that keyboard. Because I knew I had to teach this morning on this text. Because here's the thing, we are called to abide in Christ, He calls us to be fruitful, and He's going to prune us so that we might be even more fruitful. So this week and next, maybe the next, we'll be talking about this text. In order to convey this, Jesus is going to use an allegory or metaphor that would have been very obvious to the disciples that's easy for us to miss. On the back of coins in those days, uh, there was an image, and it was the image of a vine. Now, we look at a vine and think, well, that might be poison ivy. I should round that up. That was not the case back then. The vine was a very important image of Israel. Verse 1, we have this statement, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Uh, So this is more than just a convenient word image. Rather, the vine or the vineyard in the Old Testament stood for Israel. And so texts like Isaiah 5, 1 through 7, and Psalm 80, we'll look at Psalm 80 some next week, uh, we find that God planted a vineyard and provided everything for the vineyard, provided everything for Israel. But when God went to get fruit from the vine, which was Israel, it had produced wild grapes. It had gone out over after other vine dressers. It, it, had, it had moved away from God, Yahweh himself, and had whored itself out after foreign gods. And so throughout the Old Testament, you have these key texts referring to Israel as the vine. In every one of them, the focus is on the failure of the vine. And so Jesus, as he and his disciples have just taken the Lord's Supper, which included, right, bread and wine. There's wine on the table. There's wine on the coins. He says, I am the true vine. 
everything that Israel was meant to do, that was supposed to do in the Old Testament and could not do, I have fulfilled it. You look to me now for life. I am the one who fulfilled all these things. And just as a branch must be connected to the vine in order to live, so too you must be connected to me in order to have eternal life. But there's more here because this is the last of what are called uh, the I am statements of John. You know, when Jesus used these specific words, I am, he's using the language of Exodus chapter 3 verse 14 where God calls himself I am. This is the name he gives himself. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So here is the God who who appeared to Moses out of the burning bush that would not be consumed. Here he is. And he's saying, I am the true vine. Look nowhere else for spiritual life. Look only to me. There are three elements here to this allegory. First, Jesus is the vine. We've established that. Second, the Father is the vine dresser. Now, a vine dresser, that's not a phrase that we use a lot here in the South, although if we lived in the Sonoma Valley, I imagine we would. A vine dresser today, you actually have to train for three years in order to be a certified vine dresser. That's how important the role is. It's a specialized gardener who who doesn't just weed eat right around the, the bottom of the grapevines. He's the one who cares for them to the point where he is working with the vines daily in order to prune back, in order to cut, in order to support it, do all that is needed for the health and long-term viability of the vine in order to do what? To produce grapes. That is what the goal of a vine is. Third, so we have Jesus is the vine, the Father is the vine dresser, and third, we are the branches. We are the branches. But there are two different kinds of branches here. Uh, Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What What does take away mean? It means to cut off. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. We're going to talk about the pruning process at length next week. Um, but you know, the thing about pruning is it, it hurts. Uh, you know, both taking away and cutting off a branch that is not needed and pruning involves a knife or it involves shearers, it involves clippers. One, though, is meant to lead to the long-term health and the other one is to harm And the vine dresser, who is God, is not seeking to harm his children. He is desiring to prune them in order to cut them back. That, when it grows back, it'll it'll provide even more fruit. I remember those days of of fostering and being so far beyond my own ability and realizing, whew, I think Jesus might have, or I think the Father might have cut a little further back that I sure am comfortable with, right? I was okay with a little pruning, but we got a little close to the quick on this one. But our Father in heaven is a good vine dresser. In fact, the, He is closer to us when He's pruning us 
than I think ever before. Loving us, providing for us, giving us what we need. So there are two different types of branches here. The first one is cut back. Uh, excuse me, the first one is cut off. And that is the one who represents someone who has come into contact with Jesus in some way, has heard the gospel but never received Christ and salvation, and therefore is not a Christian and does not produce spiritual fruit. This results in God's judgment, which we see in verse 6 is hell forever. We'll talk more about that next week. The second kind of branch is one that does produce fruit, and this is someone who has come into contact with Jesus, has heard the gospel, and received Christ in salvation. And this results in the fruit of the Spirit in his life and Christ's likeness pervading his life. And it brings the Father glory as, as the Father sees in his child, sees in this branch his own uh, characteristics, his own attributes. It brings the Father glory. The central point then today is that we are called to abide in Christ. For apart from Him, we can do nothing. We see this in verse 5 clearly. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm thinking about getting that put on, my, um, on a piece of paper and taping it to my bathroom mirror. So I'll be reminded every morning, apart from me, you can do nothing. When you think about an oak tree, there's a difference between cutting a limb and cutting the trunk, isn't there? You can cut limbs, and what happens? They grow back. Uh, but if you cut the trunk, what happens? It dies. Why? Because the life is in the trunk, and the limbs get their life from the trunk. And spiritually speaking, that's how we operate as believers. Now, we are in Christ. We abide in Christ if we are believers. But there is a subjective use of this term as well, that though we are united to Christ, we are to pursue Jesus, that we might be closer to Him, that we might bear more fruit. It's kind of like in a marriage. A husband and wife, if they are married, they are one flesh. This exists. But sometimes a husband and wife can live more like roommates than as one flesh. Though they are married... They are not living as such. Though we are united to Christ, so often we act as if we are not. Especially when we engage in in spiritual warfare, when we try to be a godly husband and wife, child, parent, or father, without Jesus. We go into the battle not armed, not putting on the full armor of God, but instead are seeking to stand strong in the power of our own might and not in the Lord's. Apart from being connected to Jesus, we cannot produce any of the fruit in our lives that God calls us to. So what does it mean to abide? Some translations say, remain. Remain with me. Abide with me. To be honest, neither one are really helpful to me. (laughs) In in terms of trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about. What, what is Jesus talking about when he says abide with me? That's a hard word to understand. It's, it's one of those nebulous words like faith that we throw around a lot. Okay, what does this really mean? It means to stay close to Jesus, to depend on him at all times. Or as Paul's going to say in Galatians 5, to walk in the Spirit. R.C. Sproul says this, The closer we stay to Christ, the more fruit we will bear. The closer we stay to Christ, the more fruit we will bear. 
So what does this look like in life? How do we take this from the nebulous to the concrete? What does it look like tomorrow morning and Monday in Bruton and East Bruton and surrounding areas? What does it look like to abide in Christ? Well, first, I think it means to utterly admit our need for Jesus. To admit our need for Jesus. We will not seek to be close to Jesus. We will not seek to stay close to Him. We will not seek to depend on Him unless we really do believe, verses 4 and 5, that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. To start our day saying, Lord God, there's nothing that you've called me to do today that I can do on my own strength. Because here's the thing, when I do this in my own life, God God in His fatherly work as vine dresser, He lets me fall on my face. Has He done that to you? It's a merciful thing when He does. To not let us to continue to walk in a manner that we think we can do it all on our own, operate of our own strength. Instead, we are called daily to depend on Him. But first, we must admit our inability to do it without Him. Second, it means to pursue Christ through the Word. We see this twice in our passage. Verse 3, Already you are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you. And then in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Here, the word abide, excuse me, the word uh, word word, uh, refers to Christ's teaching that He has taught the disciples, and what the Old Testament says about Him. It's talking about the Word of God. Now, we have more of it since Jesus has gone back, uh, sent into heaven, sent forth His Holy Spirit, and more, uh, more books of the Bible have been written. It is now closed. Uh, and now we are called to use the Word of God to depend on Him actively. I was meeting with our students a few weeks ago, and I was stressing the importance of getting daily into the Word You know, I realized as a pastor, I sounded like a broken record. I feel like I say this a lot. Uh, The importance of personal time in the Word of God and sitting under the preached Word. Um, And I told them that. I said, you know, surprisingly, your pastor is telling you to read your Bible. But the reason that it keeps coming up is because it's kind of like fertilizer to a vine. The vine dresser would never consider uh, uh, forgetting to use fertilizer for the health of the vine. He would never, in a drought, think about not turning on the spigot to water the vine. It's kind of like my grass. How does your grass look like? How does it look in your yard? Mine looks awful. I have brown grass. I used to have grass. I have dirt where grass used to be because of the lack of rain we've had. And when, so often we let ourselves go into seasons of spiritual drought because we have not sought the source of living water, Jesus and His Word. The third, I would say, what does it mean to abide in Christ, to depend on Him, to seek Him? It means from this text that we are to prioritize fruitfulness for the Lord. Okay, here's the thing. This says both negatively and positively something important. Negatively, we've already said it. You can do nothing apart from me. But that's not all this text says. This text says if you abide in Christ, you will produce much fruit. Much fruit. 
That means there is hope for change in every area of our lives as we, uh, as we seek the sap that comes from the branch. Excuse me, it comes from the vine that flows down into the branch. Uh, imagine, if you will, if, if you're, that, that you're a branch, right? Imagine you're a branch. And you look down the branch and you see these buds forming all along the branch. And these will grow into fruit. Now, think about this. Every, every bud is a different area of your life. Perhaps one area is your marriage. Perhaps another is your attitude towards work. Perhaps another one is your ability to parent well, your fight against temptation. Every, every, a bud is a, a different area of life. Did you know that there can be fruit and change and growth in every one of those areas? That there is no area of your life that is a place where despair belongs. Instead, as we seek the Lord, as we seek the Lord, seek to depend on Him, we can see much fruit in each one of those areas as the kingdom of God goes forth in our lives in each one of those places. Don't you want some change in certain parts of your life? How about that fight with sin, tooth and nail? How about when the gossip starts and you think, ah, I can't believe I did that again? Or you're texting with Amazon at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night and think, man, I sure am angry right now. I want growth in this area. Despair does not belong to the believer. Instead, the expectation of spiritual growth, of change in my life and change in my relationships, as we seek Jesus, we see fruit in those areas begin to blossom. But there is a danger with pursuing the fruit without pursuing Jesus. There's a danger in pursuing the fruit without seeking Jesus. What do I mean by that? A marriage is good and a healthy marriage is great. But it's dangerous to pursue the fruit of a good marriage without pursuing Jesus. To want the blessing of Jesus without Jesus himself. Right? Or a peaceful home life, a lack of conflict. That's great. Praise God for that. But to pursue that without seeking the Prince of Peace who provides that. Paul David Tripp uh, likes to use the illustration of apples on an apple tree. There are two ways to have apples on an apple tree. The first one is, is the good old-fashioned way. You know, where apple trees grow apples. Do you know the second? You take you a stapler and you walk out to the backyard and you staple apples to the apple tree. Now, if you look outside, it looks great. Man, that tree is full of apples. But in a few days, the lie will become apparent as they rot away. We seek Jesus, and we seek the fruit. We seek Jesus, and He grows us. As we depend on Him daily, as we, as we admit our utter need for Him and pursue Him in His Word and through prayer and fellowship of the saints, then there will be fruit. As we abide in Christ, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things. They'll be added unto you. Well, the word abide shows up again in our text in verses 9 through 10. As my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. It's kind of an enigmatic statement. You've you got to kind of have to parse through all the, the parts of those sentences. Here's what it means. 
If you want to know how much Jesus loves you, it's a great song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Something so simple for a child and something that we will never plumb the depths of for all of eternity. But if you want to know the kind, the manner, the meaning of Jesus' love for you, you only have to look at the Father's love for the Son. As the Father loves the Son, so the Son loves you. And your life is a mess. And mine is too. And guess what? Jesus loves you. Just as the Father spoke of His Son at His baptism in Matthew 3, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That is the attitude of the Son towards you. And how do we know that? Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And as Jesus was operated by this love out of the love His Father had for Him and His love for the Father, it motivated Him to obey the commandments of His Father. So too we are called out of love for the Son because of His love for us to obey His commandments. What does it look like to love of God? It looks like, the love of God looks like obedience. But we cannot obey without first admitting our utter need for Jesus. That apart from Him we can do nothing. But with Jesus, as we abide in Him, as we depend on Him, just like a branch depends on the vine, we can bear much fruit. Well, next week we will look at the role of the vine dresser, God the Father, and what He does to both kinds of branches and mentions here. He cuts away in judgment those who do not bear fruit, referring to those who aren't Christians, and He prunes those branches which do, referring to Christians. Um, we spoke of Jesus' love for us. And that love was most manifest upon the cross. That terrible and wonderful cross. On that good and terrible Friday. When the Father who loved His Son, His only Son, when the Father punished His Son whom He loved, Why would He punish His own Son? Was it because He had sinned? No. But He punished Him for sin. Here is the perfect Son who has always obeyed the commandments of the Father, who has always done the will of the Father, and what does He get for it? On the cross, He gets punished. Why? Because of His love for you. It wasn't the Son's sins He was punished for. It was your sins and my sins. For we have not upheld every commandment of the Father. In fact, we have broken all of them in in word and thought and deed. And the only way that we could have eternal life and not perish and not be cut from the vine, gathered and burned in hell forever, was for the vine himself, the great I Am, the one who had appeared to Moses out of the bush, for him to come and take our place and to die a sacrificial death as the Lamb of God. To take away your sin and mine, someone had to be punished. You couldn't be punished. You can be punished in hell forever. It wouldn't pay for a single sin. But Jesus' sacrifice is unique in that He was punished and therefore it paid for your sin and then He died. But praise be to God, on the third day He rose again from the dead. That if we abide in Him, if we abide in Him, we will live with Him forever. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, help us to abide more and more in Christ. Help us to stay close to Jesus. Help us to depend daily upon Him, not seeking to do anything out of our own strength. We pray these things in the name of Christ.
Amen.